This report showed that 60% of farmers have slow internet speeds and 78% of us don't have another viable option. So not only is it slow, but we have, there's no competition to make it any better. And so we're stuck. That was soil scientist and soybean farmer, Megan Kaiser, this week's guest on Everywhere Radio. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly, and I'm your host, Whitney Kimball Coe. Each episode, I spotlight the good, scrappy, and joyful ways rural people and their allies are building a more inclusive nation. But before we get to this week's episode, I'd like to let you know about a special event coming up. Rural Women Everywhere is a two-day virtual event celebrating the voices and contributions and leadership of women across the countryside. It's happening next week, October 19th and 20th, and we'll examine the ways rural and Native women are participating in the work of building more welcoming and inclusive communities. We'll hear from journalists, organizers, artists, and poets, faith leaders, and young women all of whom are building bridges and crossing borders to connect us to one another and the places we call home. Registration is free and available now at ruralassembly.org. And now, Megan Kaiser. Earlier this summer, Vice President Kamala Harris hosted a virtual listening session focused on broadband connectivity around the country. The event featured six voices from different sectors, and all of them brought the unified message that connectivity in rural America is still a major pain point, affecting everything from health to education to economic opportunities. The Biden administration's job plan promises an infusion of resources to address broadband connectivity, what former Congressman John Lewis described as the civil rights issue of our time. But how those resources are allocated and implemented in small towns and rural places across the country is yet unclear. Megan Kaiser was one of the six voices at the table with Vice President Harris. She knows firsthand how broadband can make or break a farming operation. She and her husband Mark farm corn and soybeans alongside Mark's family on Kaiser Family Farms in Carrollton, Missouri. Megan is also a soil scientist and chief operating officer at Perry Agricultural Laboratory, Inc. in Bowling Green. Megan currently serves on the United Soybean Board Executive Committee and in that role recently worked with Benton Institute for Broadband and Society to produce a comprehensive report that tells the story of broadband as an indispensable tool for farmers and the communities they serve. I'm really pleased to have Megan with us on Everywhere Radio today to talk about her journey into farming and soil science and to find out what it was like to speak to Vice President Harris. Megan, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to ask you right away, what was it like to present on the topic of broadband connectivity to President or to Vice President Harris this past yeah. summer? It was surreal is the first word um, I can come up with, but also so 2021 because it was on Zoom. Um, we had been kind of working at the farm, so I um, kind of hurriedly went in and, and got prepped for the call, but I was wearing gym shorts, to be honest. Well, <laughs> I had my blazer and my, <laughs> but, you know, um, because you can and it was Zoom, but maybe that's too too much information that you that you wanted, but um, I love that. It was um, just such an incredible thing to really honestly listen to five perspectives that were so different 
like totally different walks of life than what I've experienced. And we all had the same problem. And um, I, you know, I, I think it's profound what John Lewis said saying that connectivity is, is the civil rights issue of our time. Um, but it also is, is something that so many of us from so different um, walks of life and perspectives that we all have in common. Um, maybe that's not a good thing, but it, it, it is a little bit um, less lonely, I guess. Mm-hmm. It is, it is a unifying issue. Um, I remember back in, I guess it was 2007, the Rural Assembly convened a panel on broadband connectivity um, at one of its first convenings. Uh, and it, it, it was shown how broadband, you know, is woven throughout our lives. It's, it's an essential tool, not just for business, not just for education or health, but also for us to participate with one another in, in this democracy um, and to be on Zoom with uh, Vice President Harris. Uh, that, I, I wondered how you got connected that day, if you had to um, that pull was- any strings. That was actually the most stressful part about all of it was to make sure that I, I wasn't going to like drop off the call. <laughs> so we, we had every, every other device turned off, you know, or like, um, kind of barricading the area. So nobody's interrupting our Wi-Fi signal because, um, yeah, it was, that was probably the, the scariest part of the whole thing. Um, I, I think that, one of the points that I like to make and what you you just said so eloquently is that, you know, it, it's not about watching Netflix, it's, um, but it is about the fact that we need to be able to attract good people to rural communities. And um, you can't give the same quality of life in rural America right now if you can't even connect to the Internet. And the frustration level that it causes when you can't connect to the internet is um, a lot. One of my examples is that we got broadband, today I'm sitting at our laboratory, Um, we got broadband in 2019, thank goodness, right before the pandemic. Um, But what I would take me three days to do, I can now do in one day. And, And the reason is, is that it was just, the upload speed. And when I am working with data, agricultural data, where we're taking our soil test results, and I mean, we're really micromanaging the land for the most sustainable outcome. But if I can't upload my soil test results and then overlay that with my yield data and my seeding rates and my other inputs, then I can't make better data-driven decisions. And frankly, the amount of time that it takes when you don't have Um, just three megabytes per second upload speed. Most farmers don't have the time and certainly don't have the patience for it. And and so that was one of the ways that um, I was really talking with the vice president of this isn't just about, you know, ease of access. It's, It's literally the sustainability factor of the future of agriculture hinges on our ability to um, connect to the internet. Hmm. Oh, wow. Would you say more about that? Because I I mean, I know that was um, a lot of the message that you brought to um, Kamala Harris was around this notion of broadband as an essential tool for the future of farming, for sustainable farming, for healthier farming, um, and and how it serves communities. Uh, Could you say a little bit more about that connection? Yeah. So when... you know, and, and I, I think sometimes if you back up just a little bit in case your audience isn't familiar with farming and, and common day practices, but we actually take soil tests 
and run a profile on that soil similar to a blood workup that you would get at a hospital. In fact, we're using a lot of the same equipment in our soil testing laboratory as what you would see in a hospital lab. And we're reading the calcium, the magnesium, the potassium and phosphorus, just like you would. These are you know, nutrients. And the reason those are so important in the soil is that it, it has to be in the soil to be in the plant. And it has to be in the plant to be in the animal or the human that consumes that plant. And, and those are important nutrients in our own, in our own bodies. And so uh, farmers are looking at that, not only from getting that, that nutrition through the, the whole supply chain, but also from the aspect of creating pore space in the soil, the water holding capacity, um, the air holding capacity where the microbes live and stimulating the biological activity in the soil. It's kind of like gut health that it's it's like the, the wild west of what we need to still know, but we know that it's really important. Um, the biological activity is what we're really working on um, to, to focus on in the soil. And the reason for that is that um, that's where we can store carbon. That's where we can keep nitrogen in the soil. And, and by doing those things, it lessens our footprint on the earth itself, that we're able to keep the nutrients we need to produce our crops, hold it in the soil, um, hold the water so we can be more efficient. And those are important things to the future of the planet. And the, the crops that we produce when we're acting that behavior are more sustainable. And then there are more sustainable ingredients to other people's products. Um, and now that we're looking at you know, using more green fuel sources. We're looking at um, different ways that we can use soybean oil to offset um, fossil fuel oil from everything in rubber uh, to asphalt. All of that hinges on our ability to produce it sustainably. But it's not just enough for me to talk about it and say, oh yeah, we're sustainable. But the way that folks wanna see the data, they wanna see the numbers or proof of concept, we can do that with all of the, the different layers of data that we're collecting. And we can make data-driven decisions and we can say, when I put this on, I took this off. That was the most efficient economic yield I could produce every acre. That, that is the crux that we're really talking about here, but I can't overlay data if I can't bring it from my combine to my desktop or if I can't get my soil test reports from my email into the cloud to put on the same service. And so that's what we're talking about is, is bringing the data from the different connections. The, the technology is there. It's the ability to, to really puzzle it together and then to draw out the decision-making tools that, that we're, we're really waiting on, on better connectivity. Hmm. Oh, wow. I love how you just drew that, that big arc of connection between um, the health of our planet and um, our ability to to connect and have uh, proper access. Um, well, I'm wondering too, if you could tell us a little bit about your background in farming and how you became a soil scientist. Um, I know this is your parent, was this company started by your parents? Yes, yes. Um, my parents started Perry Agricultural Laboratory in 1982. And um, we've, we've gotten samples from, um, we get samples regularly from all 50 states and 75 countries. And so I was really lucky. I was 16 years old and we were in the United Kingdom for a farm show. And my dad jumped down into the soil pit 
And he was talking to an individual farmer about, you know, looking at the, the pore space and, and the ability of the soil and how drainage worked and water holding capacity. And all of a sudden, more farmers just kind of came by and came by. And then, you know, all of a sudden he had like 50 farmers around him. And um, it, it just realized, it, it made me realize that the connection of doing better with our soil means better food and, and better health for people. And so that's how I became that, that from that moment on, I knew that's what I was going to college for. Um, and then uh, I met my husband and he grew up on a farm. And uh, when we got engaged, I was like, why, why aren't you, why aren't we farming? We should, we should, uh, you know, doesn't your dad want to pass it on and, and things like that? And he said, well, he never pressured me to. Um, but then as we, this is our 10th harvest that we're in right now. And it has become, um, you know, I don't, I don't know that it was something he grew up knowing he would always do. In fact, probably the opposite, but, um, it is something that makes us so happy and so proud to be a part of such a global system that we know that every day when we go to work, it's for something that people need. Um, and that it's a continuous improvement job too, because, even as we're in the middle of harvest right now, we're already looking at the data and saying, okay, this variety did well over here, this one did well over here, and it's already shaping um, you know, what we're going to order for next year and, and what kind of um, you know, land management we're going to do in between to, to see if we can top this year, uh, next year. So um, that's kind of the, the, whole, the whole story, I guess. <laughs> I love that story. And I, um, just as you were talking about how exciting it is to be part of a global um, system and an, an ecosystem in your backyard, too, um, it made me think about the vagaries of weather and climate in this moment. And I'm wondering if you have reflections about um, climate change and, and broadband connectivity. Like, can you link those up? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the first thing that I think of is about, I because of the soybean board, I was on a, um, a visit and meetings in New York City, and we met with a, a city official. And he he said, I just wanna thank you farmers because the soybeans that you produce, um, we have made a commitment to putting biodiesel in all of our sanitation trucks for the city. And the reason we did that is that the particulate emissions are less and we have an asthma epidemic in, in, our, in our city. Um, children, at childhood asthma, they have an alarmingly high rate. And it put me on my heels a little bit. I have been so focused on my Midwestern life that when I picture soybeans, I think about my kids on the farm and, you know, that we're focused on, we have blue skies and clean air and, you know, that we're focused on making sure our water is clean. Um, the fact that then the soybeans that we produce were improving um, the health factor in New York City made a big connection for me. Um, and then that really has been one of the things that I think we can do the most when it comes to climate change. If you look at what is the, the number one issue um, with the environment is that we have um, the combustion and, and, and mining of fossil uh, fuel sources that um, we can help offset that with our soybean oil and that we can 
um, you know, reduce our own footprint by running it in our tractors, trucks, and combines on the farm, but then we can put it in every diesel truck that, you know, ships our packages to our front door. Uh, I think that that's the first place that I think of as a huge contribution that um, soybeans can make to our planet. The second is as we focus on our, our soil, we have the ability to not only yield well and produce for a growing population, but we also have the ability to sequester carbon and, and do our part there too. So there's a brand new report out this month from Benton Institute and the United Soybean Board telling the story of the future of farming and how it depends so much on broadband connectivity. And they've broken it up into three sections, the farm office, the field, and the community. And I wondered if you could reflect for a moment on the importance of this report and also draw those connections for us between office, field, and community. Yeah, I think um, that you know, what I've been talking about is overlaying data. And I, this report showed that 60% of farmers have slow inter internet speeds and 78% of us don't have another viable option. So not only is it slow, but we have, there's no competition to make it any better. And so we're stuck. Um, and, and that doesn't just stop with, oh, okay, so now I can't do that. The dollar follows that. So if you um, if you think about the fact that our farmers account for eighty billion dollars of our GDP, and we can't connect to the internet, how does that translate even to our local economy? Um, this report, I think, they showed that it was thirty three percent of farmers say that the lack of internet affected our equipment purchases. And if you add that up, that's $13 billion in farm equipment purchases are uh, impacted by the lack of rural internet because there's all this technology that you're paying for when you buy it that you can't use if you can't upload it to the internet. And so what does that mean? Maybe maybe it doesn't seem that, well, okay, how many farm you know manufacturers are there, et cetera. But if you think about those are businesses that are in our rural areas, because that's where you sell farm equipment, and how that impacts our schools, how that impacts our healthcare system, um, just, just our communities at large. And that's only one aspect of it. So I think um, that when we think about, um, you know, 60% of farmers not having enough connectivity to run our businesses, I think it, it, it's profound when you talk about um, how large of an employer agriculture is. You know, we're like the number three employer in the United States behind government and healthcare. Um, so if you think about, you know, the government or healthcare having 60% of their employees unable to connect to the internet and the impact that that would have, um, it, is, it is profound when you think about the trickle effect. Mm. Uh, and this report also lists a number of proposals, solutions, recommendations for closing the gap. Um, but I wonder if there are one or two recommendations that just jump out at you as just like so obvious if we could just do this or tweak this, um, that it would make a big difference. We want it all as fast as possible. We needed it mm -hmm. five years ago. 
And, and so I'll leave it to the experts to decide what's the fastest, best way to get it here. Um, but I, I think it's really important that, and it, it's really crucial, honestly, that there seems to be this momentum of acknowledging that broadband isn't um, a luxury, it's infrastructure. And the impact that that has not only um, on our daily business, but our ability to attract the next generation of farmers. You know, if the world's growing in population, we're going to need more people who understand how to grow nutritious, delicious food on less acres. And um, you can only attract people back to agriculture if if they have a connection to the rest of the world. It's just the way that they, the these generations work um, as a millennial and then looking at um, Gen Z um, and then my kids even. How would I attract them to come back home um, if they have to, you know, step back a decade compared to the rest of the world? It just isn't realistic. And mm -hmm. so um, if on the flip side, if you look at the opportunities, you know, now that we're all trying to get on Zoom, um, you know, being able to connect with classes and education um, with people from different walks of life, maybe that would lead to even better understanding of each other and um, and and unifying issues as you described it earlier. Well, I wanted to close by asking you a question that we ask all of our guests um, and it's it always brings me great joy to hear these responses. What are you reading or watching right now um, that you would want to recommend to our listeners and to the, the bigger world? You might laugh, but Ted Lasso. Yes, yes. Love. Well, one, he's touting Kansas City, which is an hour from our farm. So um, it is our favorite show right now. Uh, guilty pleasure that my husband and I are watching. That um, we we do love just that eternal optimism, and um, I guess we identify with a lot of it too. Of you know, life's not that bad. Um, and, and just trying to to cheer each other on and and take life a little bit lighter. So I maybe not the most profound <laughs> answer you've received, but we've been watching. Oh, it's that, wonderful. So. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you on that. It feels like good medicine when I watch an episode of Ted Lasso. Um, so I thank you for that recommendation. <laughs> we both we both endorse it. Okay. Um, <laughs> Megan, you've been a wonderful guest. I really appreciate you and your time. It's good to meet you finally. Thank you for your work. It's nice to meet you too. Thanks, Whitney. The report Megan and I were talking about earlier is called The Future of American Farming Demands High-Speed Internet Solutions. And it's available from the Benton Institute for Broadband and Society on their website, benton.org. You can also find it on the Rural Assembly website, ruralassembly.org. If you enjoyed Everywhere Radio, we'd love for you to consider subscribing to the General RA newsletter, where we promote new offerings from the Assembly and amplify the good work of our many partners across the country. We've also launched a new policy advocacy newsletter that comes to inboxes on Mondays to help you start each week with a quick take on the top issues that we're tracking across the nation. Everything from broadband policy to rural vaccinations, just head over to ruralassembly.org to sign up. If you're a true fan of Everywhere Radio, please let us know by rating us wherever you get your podcasts. If this isn't your cup of tea, no biggie. 
It's fine. We'd like to thank our media partner, The Daily Yonder. Everywhere Radio is a production of the Rural Assembly. Our senior producer is Joel Cohen, and our associate producer is Xander Brown. And we're grateful for the love and support of the whole team at the Center for Rural Strategies. Love you. Mean it. You can be anywhere. We'll be everywhere. 